Welcome to the Locked On Islanders Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Gil Martin. I'm an Islanders columnist and historian, and I wrote the book Ice Wars, which covers the complete history of the Islanders' rivalry with the Rangers from 1972 to the modern era. All right, everybody, welcome to the Wednesday edition of the Locked On Islanders Podcast. Today's podcast is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON to get $10 off your next order. All right, tough game for the New York Islanders. They fall in overtime to the Flyers, 4-3. to three. Not a very good performance overall, but again, the Islanders show their resiliency come back with two goals late in the third period to force overtime and then end up falling short on Scott Lawton's goal 12 minutes and 20 seconds into the extra session. Series now at 3-2 and game six scheduled for Thursday when the Islanders will be back at work with their second of three chances to end this series. We will discuss Game 5, what the Islanders did wrong, some of the things they did well to get back in the game, and some of the possible changes that we can probably expect uh, before Game 6, and we will break all of that down. We'll also have our Islanders' birthday of the day, so a whole lot more to come on the Locked On Islanders podcast. If there's something Islanders-related on your mind, a comment, a question, a topic you'd like us to discuss, you could email the show at LockedOnIslanders at gmail.com, and we'll be happy to talk about whatever it is that's on your mind. Leave us your name and where you're from, and we'll mention you on the air when we discuss it. You could also follow the show on Twitter, the Twitter handle at LockedOnIsles, and you could follow me, Gil Martin, on Twitter at IceWarsNYRVSNYI, and we'll update you on all the latest news and notes concerning the New York Islanders. All right, well, this game was not the Islanders' best performance, and I give them credit for not quitting and for coming back and forcing the overtime, but at the same time, for large stretches of this game, they did not play Islanders hockey. And when you go back and remember how the Islanders played in Game 1 and in Game 3 for long stretches, and even for the last two periods of most of Game 2, that was Islanders hockey. The way the Islanders played against the Panthers and the way they played against the Capitals 
was very much Islanders hockey. And then here you get to the point where they didn't really play the kind of game that they wanted to play. For most of this game, the Flyers had too much room to maneuver. The Islanders made some questionable plays in their own zone and were unable to really uh, contain the Flyers' offense. And they still did some things very well, and they had a chance to win this game, but they end up falling just short. Now, the first period really was mostly the Flyers playing well. And they outshot the Islanders 11-4, to really carried the tempo, and it was Simeon Varlamov and playing well, and then a lot of block shots in that first period. And one of the things the Islanders did well throughout this game was block shots. Officially, the Islanders blocked 28 shots in this game, and the Flyers blocked only 10. The good news is that means the Islanders... We're playing a team game. We're sticking to the Barry Trotz system. We're willing to sacrifice their bodies for the good of the team. The bad news is it also tells you how many shot attempts, how many more shot attempts the Philadelphia Flyers had as compared to the New York Islanders, especially early on in this game. So Islanders get out of the first period with no score, but realistically, they were fortunate to have that situation. Early in the second period, the Islanders get on the board a power play goal by Josh Bailey, and I'll tell you something, Bales has been one of the best Islander performers throughout these playoffs. He picked up his third goal of the postseason, Eberle and Barzal with the assist, one nothing Islanders, just a minute 20 into the period, and you feel like, hey, the Islanders knew the Flyers would be desperate, the Flyers were going to come out and give everything they had, the Islanders were outplayed in the first period, but they weathered the storm, got the first goal of the game, and, you know, maybe this team was back on track, but unfortunately, it wasn't meant to be. And as the second period went on, the Islanders, you could feel the tide turning, and gradually the Flyers gained control of the game. And the disturbing thing for the Islanders was that they allowed the Flyers' best players to start to contribute in ways that they have not contributed yet in this series. And the game is tied on a goal by Claude Giroux, uh, his first of the playoffs, and then the Flyers take a lead with less than two minutes left in the second period on a goal by James Van Riemsdyk, his first goal of the playoffs. And we talked about so many times that the Islanders cannot allow the Flyers' best players to come to life and to regain their confidence, and the fact that both Giroux and Van Riemsdyk had not scored yet in the playoffs, they were squeezing the sticks, this is a bad sign for Game 6 
and moving forward that these guys are starting to get their confidence and their mojo back uh, and ready to continue to play the game that they can play. So the Islanders will face that challenge of having to shut them down again moving forward. After 40 minutes, the Islanders trailing 2-1, to one, and you figure they're still in this hockey game. They're a strong third-period team, and we just have to see what happens. But that second period was sloppy. It wasn't Islanders hockey, except for maybe the first five or six minutes, and the Flyers were able to take advantage. None of these goals, by the way, by Varlamov were soft goals, but he did not, you know, some of them were on screens or, uh, you know, good passing plays, but this was not his best game at the same time, except for maybe that first period. All right, we're going to break down the third period in overtime. We've got our Islanders birthday of the day and a look ahead to game six. Lots more to talk about here on the Locked On Islanders podcast. And hey, Islander fans, uh, we all know that protein bars are good for you, but they don't always taste good in the consistency, and eh, not so much. But Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. And now they have six amazing new flavors to go with the original 12. How about caramel brownie, cookies and cream, carrot cake, lemon almond cheesecake, apple almond crisp, and cherry barcia. All the bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They are soft, they're easy to chew, and you can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. The bars are all low-calorie, high-fiber, high-protein, low-sugar, and they're great for the keto diet. Let's look at one of my favorite flavors. How about cookies and cream? 17 grams of protein, just 130 calories, only 4 grams of sugar, and 4 grams of net carbs. Right now, Built Bar has a great offer for you. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON. You'll get $10 off your next order. That's the promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. As the third period got underway, things got worse for the Islanders. Matt Niskanen getting his first goal of the playoffs. Just four minutes and 32 seconds in, and the Islanders are down 3-1. to one. And, you know, I expected in the third period down a couple of goals that the Islanders would be a little bit more desperate, a little bit more uh, sense of urgency, and realistically, it didn't look that way for the first, let's say, 14 minutes or so, 13, 14 minutes of the third period, and then the Islanders snap to life. Brock Nelson scoring with 4.14 left in regulation. Another assist for Josh Bailey, his 12th. Scott Mayfield also with a helper. It's a 3-2 game, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, the Islanders are back in this hockey game, and they are ready to keep on pressing, and they end up getting the tying goal. Derek Broussard on a little backhander. Great plays on that shift by Cal Clutterbuck. Casey Sezikis also with an assist. 17-19. Game is tied. And we are set to head to overtime. In overtime, the Islanders' Matt Martin takes a penalty. 
you looked at his reaction, he was like, no way, uh, if you could read lips, and, and he did basically say that, but at the end of the day, the Islanders killed the penalty off, but here was the thing about overtime that was a little disappointing. Overtime was very, very wide open, and, you know, the Islanders outshot the Flyers in overtime 7-4, to and they killed off the penalty very well, but the one thing the Islanders don't want to do is trade chances up and down the ice with the Philadelphia Flyers, and that's more often than not what it looked like they were doing for a good portion of overtime. Yeah, Andy Green made some heads-up plays uh, to clear the puck out on the penalty kill and in overtime, and, and Varlamov came up again with some pretty good saves, but at the end of the day, the style of play in the extra session was more to the Flyers' liking than the Islanders, and eventually it paid off for Philadelphia. Scott Lawton, his fourth of the playoffs, gets the game winner. Provorov and Giroux with the assists, and the Flyers, desperate with their backs up against the wall, come out with a 4-3 win in overtime, and the Islanders will have their second chance to finish off this series on Thursday because uh, this first chance did not actually go well. And here's the concern if you're looking at this as an Islanders fan, and if you're listening to this podcast, obviously you probably are. Uh, the Islanders did did win game four, but they didn't really play a great game. They didn't play their style of hockey. And again, in game five, the Islanders managed to come back late, force overtime. I love the resiliency of this team, the never-say-die attitude, but you can't keep playing, not playing Islanders hockey. You can't play the flyer style and give them so many chances and so many shots on goal and hope to consistently win against a good hockey team like the Philadelphia Flyers. Yeah, the Florida Panthers, you might be able to get away with it. No offense to Florida fans, but they're not as good a team. In the Capitals series, the Islanders mostly played Islanders hockey. Here in the last two games of the Flyers series, they have not. And it has cost them, uh, at least it cost them game five. Uh, let's look at some of the superlatives for the Islanders. Uh, shots on goal, you know, the Islanders spread it out pretty well. Josh Bailey and Jean-Gabriel Pajot tied for the team lead with four. Meanwhile, in the face-off circle, Pajot was the only Islander uh, who took a lot of face-offs, who was above 50%. He won nine out of 17. Derek Brassard winning three out of five. But Anders Lee only took two face-offs. He won them both. But Brock Nelson losing six out of, uh, 11 out of 17, rather. And Casey Sezikis only winning five of his 13 draws. As far as hits go, Cal Clutterbuck with eight, Casey Sezikis and Matt Martin with seven each as the fourth line again sets the tone. Ryan Pulak adds six and block shots. How about Adam Pellick with five, Nick Letty and Andy Green 
with four each. Ice time not as spread out, and that's going to happen when you have a situation where your team is trailing. Anthony Bavillier, 23 minutes, 54 seconds. Jordan Eberle, 23-23. Josh Bailey, 23-02. Derek Broussard, only 9.09. He was the low man among the forwards, among the defensemen, more evenly distributed minutes. Adam Pellick at the top with 25 minutes, 12 seconds on the ice. Andy Green only on the ice for 21 minutes and 20 seconds. So a tough loss for the Islanders. I think we will see some lineup changes before game six, but we will discuss that. Look ahead at what the Islanders need to do. We'll also have our Islanders birthday of the day. More to come right now on the Locked On Islanders podcast. All right, before we get back to the series, let's take a look at our Islanders birthday of the day. Happy 47th birthday to former Islander forward Jason Blake, born back on September 2nd, 1973. Blake, one of my favorite Islanders since I started covering the team, undrafted, not a big guy, generously listed at 5'10", 180 pounds. The Moorhead, Minnesota native went to the University of North Dakota, broke in with the LA Kings, but really established himself after joining the Islanders. He joined the midway through the 2000-2001 season, remained with the team through the end of the 2006-2007 season, had four 20 or more goal seasons with the Islanders, and his career best year, 2006-2007, 40 goals and 69 points for uh, Jason Blake that year, and it was a spectacular one. We're going to go back and look at one of his better games, uh, March 19, 2004, at the Nassau Coliseum, Minnesota Wild coming into town. They go with Dwayne Rollison, who was uh, a future Islander at that point, while Rick DiPietro was the goalie for the Islanders. In the first period, Islanders break out on top. Jason Blake, his 20th from Yanni Ninema and Michael Pekka at 15.07. That made it 1-0 Islanders. In the second, Islanders were short-handed as Michael Pekka was in the box for hooking. Jason Blake scores a shorty. His 21st second of the game, Dave Scatcherd with the assist at 12.52. After 40 minutes, it was 2-0 Islanders. In the third, the Wild got on the board. Andrew Burnett, his 15th from Alexander Daig at 3.02, closes it to a one-goal game. But then Jason Blake completes the hat trick with an empty net goal. His 22nd scores it with one second left on the clock. Assist to Mark Parrish and Dave Scatcherd. So in this game, Rick DiPietro... 16 saves to earn the win. Three goals by Jason Blake on four shots on goal. He led all Islanders players with a plus three. And uh, the other Islander with the multiple point game is Dave Scatcherd, who had two helpers. As far as shots on goal were concerned, Scatcherd and Blake each tied with four for the Islanders. So happy birthday to Jason Blake, who also overcame cancer later on in his career, a tough guy, courageous, hard worker, good goal scorer, and really blossomed when he was with 
the New York Islanders. A, a good all-around guy, and uh, I wish him a very happy 47th birthday and many, many happy more. All right, the Islanders now got to regroup heading into Game 6. We always know that the last win of a series is the toughest, and the Islanders will have to play better hockey to close out this series than they play today. Do they switch goaltenders? I don't think so, but it's a possibility because Grice played so well in the two games in this series that he performed in, and Varlamov was good, but not great in this game. Again, no really soft goals, a couple of deflections, a couple of screens, but and he did come up with some big saves, especially in the first period and early on in overtime, but not an outstanding game, and maybe you keep uh, Grice Sharp and bring him in uh, for Game 6, knowing you could always go back to Varley in Game 7. You also understand Ross Johnston and Johnny Boychuk skated during warm-ups. They were still the healthy scratches once the game got underway, but it would not be shocking to me to see uh, Ross Johnston back in the lineup, and here's why. Ross Johnston gives them a more physical element and probably would be able to help the Islanders play more of their style of hockey, a grinding, defense-first, physical not give the other team very much room. Uh, all of that, I think, would be beneficial. So I wouldn't be surprised to see Ross Johnston back out there and Derek Broussard uh, quite possibly back on the bench. I know he scored a goal, and he didn't play bad. He was, you know, got the goal, but he was a minus one and only played nine minutes and nine seconds of this game. So... Wouldn't shock me to see Johnston back in for Brassard, or maybe to see Johnny Boychuk find his way into the lineup, or maybe do they go with a guy like Michael Dalcole, who hasn't played in a while, or Otto Koivula, who, or, or Tom Kunakel rather, who hasn't played in a while. There are some players who we could see inserted into the lineup for Game 6, but regardless of the lineup, we all know how good Barry Trotz is at having his team respond after a loss and after they play. They didn't play poorly, but they didn't play well in this game. It was a very uneven performance. And this is going to be the challenge that Trotz and the Islanders are going to face heading into Game 6. The Flyers' best players are starting to get their confidence back. And that is not what you want to see. You don't want to see three of their better players, your Giroux, your Van Riemsdyks, and your Niskanens, each getting their first goal. And Kevin Hayes had a number of quality chances in this game as well. And Scott Lawton got a goal and an assist. You, you don't want that momentum that the Flyers are trying to build to continue to build. So, you know, right now, game one, the Islanders were dominant. Game three, the Islanders were the better team. But game four, they won despite an uneven performance. Game five, 
probably uh, even more uneven, uh, although the late surge is encouraging, and I think this team will be able to regroup. The top line also, until late in the game, was not a big factor, and that is a concern to me. Uh, Eberly and Barzal had assists on what basically was, you know, the power play goal that the Islanders scored. But late in the game, you looked at the top line, and before the Islanders tied it, let's say there were about six, seven minutes, seven minutes left in the game, I recall, because I tweeted this out uh, during the game. And between them, Bavillier, Eberly, and Lee had two shots on goal with seven minutes left in the game. The Islanders need their top line to play better in game six if they hope to win this hockey game. All right, that's going to do it for today's episode of the Locked On Islanders podcast. We will be back tomorrow with a complete in-depth preview of game six. We'll talk more about some of the things the Islanders need to do better and some of the things they need to keep on doing. We'll see how this team responds. They usually respond well, and hopefully the Islanders will close this one out. Game six, a home game for the Islanders, and uh, hopefully that last change will be helpful to Trotz and the Islanders in the next contest. Have a great day, everybody. Stay safe. Don't give up hope. Nobody said this was going to be easy. Islanders will be back on Thursday. Have a good day, and of course, let's go. Islanders.